Today's episode of the Gold Cast is sponsored by part two of our 49ers All Decade Team. That's right. We are dropping the second half of our two part series for the 49ers All Decade Team for the 2010s. If you haven't listened to the first half, part one is the episode on this same channel right before this one. And then our next episode this week, we are going to wrap up the second part of our 49ers 2019 season celebration, our gold dive episode. That episode is going to drop. Uh, we're going to record on Wednesday, so you'll probably get it in your channel, in your feed on Thursday. That will be covering weeks 9 through 17 of the 2019 season. But today, today we're going to be focused on the second half of our 49ers all-decade team. Now, Raymond... Why don't you let them know where can they find us to discuss how they feel about this all-decade team? If you want to discuss, and we encourage you to discuss, you can always like us on Facebook.com slash TheGoldCast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at The underscore GoldCast, and be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Stitcher, all under the same moniker of The GoldCast. Like, subscribe, and comment, because we certainly would love to hear from you. And YouTube seems to be one of the most popular platforms that people like to chime in at. You can, of course, chime in on all the aforementioned platforms. However, YouTube seems to get a lot of activity, and it's pretty easy for everyone to kind of chime in together and kind of be all under the same thread. So if that's your preference, then feel free to chime in, because we certainly want to hear your take, because not all, not all players... You know, there's only nominees that make the final cut. And then from the nominees, we're going to get into who we think deserves to be in any given position. So if, if you feel differently about that, we definitely want to hear from you. In fact, you go to the front of the line if you think differently. <laughs> and Raymond, if they want to talk to you directly, where can they find you? You can always find me on Twitter at Ray Solis. That's Ray Solis, S-O-L-I-S. And on Instagram at Ray Solis one That is the number one, not the spelled out version. Yeah, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at the same handle, my new handle, I am Rudy Third. I am Rudy Three R D. All right, here we go. We had a lot of fun on the first episode, which was special teams and defense. Now it's time for the offense, and uh, I think it's going to start. It's going to start fairly simple, Raymond, but it's definitely going to get complicated at the end. There, definitely going to get complicated at the end. We'll see where this ends up. So here we go. Your professor of analysis, he's in the building. The greatest analyst in the game is here. Class is in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. <laughs> Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III, and with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis I, baby. Boom! So, Raymond, here we are, the second part of our all-decade team. And just to kind of recap, how do you feel now that we've had some time away from our all-defense team so, so do you feel that we for special teams of defense did we make the right decisions were those the right 
guys. I, I am I am still not sure about one player, but this is why I'm asking you. Do you do you do you look back and go, yep, that's exactly who we needed there? I mean, without getting too deep into the weeds and considering who the coaches would be and what the defensive scheme would be, yes, I think these are the best players. Now, once you start, you know, if you want, if you, if someone wants to dive into the nuanced debate of who the coach, who the coaching staff would be, and what scheme you would implement, then I think that would change maybe one or two pieces. But for the sake of this more simplified and refined version, I think these are the best players. Their resumes more or less speak for themselves, and yeah, this is a this would be a killer a killer defense on any team in the National Football League. It is a killer defense. I'm the only the only the only player I'm still wrestling with, and you're gonna you're gonna laugh. I, I still kind of I still not sure about Robbie Gold versus. Uh, David Akers. <laughs> I don't know. I still think David Akers that one year was so phenomenal, but uh, that's the only guy, which sounds hilarious. We had a lot of debates about a lot of different parts of of uh, who would make the teams, but uh, that that was probably the only guy that I was actually really uh, a little a little torn on was uh, was uh, Mr. Akers. I still kind of feel like Mr. Akers should have been the kicker, but you know, uh, gold gold is consistent. Akers just had. Maybe one of the greatest kicking seasons uh, a football player has ever had. Like, I mean, that's literally has to be one of the greatest all-time kicking seasons ever in the history of the NFL. I mean, that 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 season was insane. But that's probably the only guy. Yeah, I mean, there's no denying that. I think if he had like two or three seasons like that, he would have easily beat out Gold. Yeah, yeah. It just was a he he flew so close to the sun so fast. Just so fast. Yeah. A little too close, too fast. All right. So we are going to start with the offensive line. And so here we go. Raymond, we will be taking five offensive linemen, but there are six nominees. And here are the nominees. So first, at left tackle, Joe Staley. The man, the myth, the legend. On my top 11 best 40, greatest 49ers of all time, he's on that list. He's on it already. He was drafted by the 49ers in 2007. He's been with them there his entire career. He was drafted in 07, and Raymond, it's 2020. That means if you were 13, if you were, if you were, I'm sorry, if you were, if you were seven years old, the day he got drafted, you are now 20 years old. You're a 20-year-old adult. Boys have become men. Girls have become women in the time that this man has played professional football. He has been to the Pro Bowl six times, three-time second-team All-Pro. Uh, he the Pro Bowl, his Pro Bowl selections were 11 through 15, and again in 17. Second-team All-Pro, 11 through 13. He was a, he was on the All-Rookie Team in 2007. He is already part of the NFL 2010s All-Decade Team. The man has played 181 games. He has started 181 games. After him, at left guard, Mr. Mike Upati. Drafted by San Francisco in 2010, he was with us from 2010 to 2014. His highlights include four-time Pro Bowler, three times with the Niners. First-team All-Pro in 2012, All-Rookie Team in 2010. He has played 130 games, started 129. At center, Jonathan Goodwin. He was drafted by the New York Jets in 2002. He was with the 49ers from 2011 to 2013. 
games played, 195. Games started, 122. At right guard, Adam Snyder, drafted by the Niners in 05. He played with the Niners from 05 to 2011, and then again in 2013. And then we have another right guard, Alex Boone, undrafted in 09, was with the 49ers from 09 to 15. He was all pro in 2012. He played 105 games, started 86. And then at right tackle, one of my favorite draft picks of the decade, Mike McGlinchey. Right tackle, drafted by San Francisco in 2018. He has been with the team. He's still with the team. He was part of the all-rookie team in 2018. He's played 28 games, started 28 games. These are our nominees. We have six guys, two at right guard. Obviously, I think it's safe to say that everyone is a lock except for Adam Snyder and Alex Boone. What do you think? Yeah. So let's talk. So here's our locks. Joe Staley, lock. Mikey Potty. Yeah, he's been the only left tackle on the team for like the last decade. (laughs) No one has a – he doesn't have a choice. Even if he stunk, he would have to be on this position. But uh, he's one of the greatest left tackles in the league. Mikey Potty at left guard. Jonathan Goodwin at center. Mike McGlinchey, right tackle. So, Raymond, make the case for Adam Snyder and then make the case for Alex Boone. These are the two men that after going through – all of the research, these are the two men that ended up both being on this list for nominees. Explain why, let's start with Adam Snyder. Why did he get here? What did he do in this decade that you felt earned him a spot on this list? For Mikey Potty? Adam Snyder. Oh, sorry, Adam Snyder. Well, Adam Snyder's been with the team for, or was with the team for a really long time. He had a long tenure with the 49ers through the dark years. Drafted the same year as Alex Smith, I believe. So, you know, he's there's a familiarity there with him. And he's played through numerous different regimes and has been, you know, pretty consistent his whole career. I think, uh, he, and he was with the team in 2011 when Harbaugh first came on board. And I think played, but I think once they drafted Alex Boone, they shifted from Adam Snyder to Alex Boone because at the time Adam Snyder was going to turn 30. Alex Boone was a new draftee and they went with Alex Boone, but then they brought him back. They brought him back in 2013 and he actually played left guard in 2013. And he's played right guard, left guard, left tackle, right tackle, you know, he's played both guard positions and both tackle positions. So in my book, he's really versatile. And that versatility as an offensive lineman cannot be overstated because the offensive line position is so important. We saw that this past couple few years with Kyle Shanahan's regime and that continuity and gelling in the offensive line is very critical to the success of an offensive line, especially given the nature of how complex Kyle Shanahan's system is, particularly with the run zone blocking aspect of it. Pass protection is more or less pretty straightforward, but the zone run blocking scheme does require athleticism and coordination, knowing your assignments, knowing when you got to pull and where you got to be and being there on time. 
so it's pretty tough. But I mean, that's doesn't necessarily apply to Adam Snyder. But what I am alluding to is the fact that being able to play every single position short of center is and his consistency with the team is really kind of what stood out to me when I was looking at his resume. And that to me kind of made me think like, all right, well, Adam Snyder definitely needs to be on this list because he played for the team for nine years straight. No, oh, actually he played Arizona in 2012, the year we went to the Super Bowl. And his last season was in 2014 with the New York Giants. And he didn't, he didn't play much in that last season. But he came back to us in 2013 when we made another run to the NFC Championship game. So he was involved with two of the three NFC Championship teams. Under Harbaugh. Yeah, under Harbaugh. All Harbaugh. Okay, great. So now let's move on to our boy Alex Boone. Why did Alex Boone make this list? I mean, I, 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 I know why. But let's, let's for some of our Goldcast fans who maybe are like, man, I don't, you know, I barely remember that era, you know, besides the big highlights. Why did Alex Boone make this list? Because he kind of, he kind of really thrived under the Harbaugh regime. He did well. He did play really well. I, he pretty, pretty much got snubbed of a Pro Bowl selection, and I would say in 2012 and 2013. He could have easily had two Pro Bowls under his belt and for whatever reason got passed up. I don't know who got picked for right guard during those two seasons, but you know, when you go to the Super Bowl and you're the best offensive line in the NFL or at least one of the top three, you know, it, it's hard to imagine how many of your players, you know, are not doing or are, are not good enough, you know, to, to make the Pro Bowl. It, it takes a Pro Bowl caliber offensive line to get to through the playoffs and to the Super Bowl. And that's what the Niners had for three straight years in the Harbaugh era before they started to get older or do the weird retire, unretire thing that Anthony Davis did for like five seasons. But in Alex Boone's case, he played really well. And then once he got the, once we couldn't pay him in 2015, which is already, you know, the 2014, 2015 were both pretty tough years. Then Boone uh, went to Minnesota in 2016 and played well there. He's consistent, although I still think his best years were 2012 and 2013. And then he played one year in Arizona. So he was reunited with um, Mikey Potty that season. Although, to be honest, Mikey Potty was completely injured in 2017. So he only played one game that season so it wasn't much of a reunion but um but to me and then Alex Boone retired he hasn't been in football since 2017 so let's talk about this let's talk about this so because you know this is the 2010s team and you know the bulk of Adam Snyder's career really took place in the prior decade he really has only two years of 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 relevancy here well arguably three 10, 11, and 13. Boone, you feel his two best years were 12 and 13. So let's talk about Boone versus Snyder here. Who is going to get this right guard position? Who's Were Snyder's three years better than Boone's two, two, his two best years? Now, you know, Boone's entire career was basically in this decade, save for his first year in 09. So he's here 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. Who put, who he made more of an impact in this decade? Was it Snyder or Boone? Where do you land? I think Boone got more accolades than Adam Snyder did 
at least based on my recollection of you know niner news back then that's that's what i'm recalling you know if i had to make a personal pick i'd probably pick adam snyder i just think the versatility cannot be you know overlooked you know and to be honest when he went to arizona in 2012 he also played center so he has played all five offensive offensive line positions which is crazy that is crazy there is not many offensive linemen in the NFL that can play or have played all five positions. That is definitely very impressive. But then at the same time, I have to, for me, now, you know, your your voting process in your mind might be a little bit different. I can't really fully include other years, you know, even though maybe we, 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 we've kind of made that ex- ex- exception a little bit with Richard Sherman, but even his stats this year, you know, they were they spoke for themselves. But I have a hard time including what Adam Snyder did in another team when I'm trying to decide who's the 49ers all-decade team. I kind of want to – I, I personally, for my voting process, am trying to keep it as much to what they did on the team as a Niner. Do you know what I'm saying? Especially yeah. after they leave. I think, you know, with within the vein of a vacuum – Alex Boone had the better seasons than Adam Snyder. But if you're just talking about, you know, skill set, I mean, sorry. Yeah. Then if you're, if you're just talking about like pure skill set, Adam Snyder's, I think uh, clearly has an edge. Yeah. I, I, for the position of simply right guard, I want to give this one to Alex Boone. What do you think? I will agree (laughs) (laughs) i will agree with some reservations (laughs) is this your david akers moment (laughs) yeah yeah this is similar similar although i mean alex boone season offensive linemen don't necessarily have career years like a david akers or any other offensive player outside of the line for that matter but uh Alex Boone did have two terrific years when he was put in the starting position. I think he's just surrounded by so much talent. It was hard for him not to excel in that environment. Yeah. And then, of course, our final lock is Mike McGlinchey at right tackle. So here are your starting offensive line. we got Joe Staley, Mikey Potty, Jonathan Goodwin, Alex Boone, Mike McGlinchey. Congratulations. You are the starting lineup for our all-decade team. All right, Raymond, moving to fullback. So at fullback, we're only going to take one, and we've decided on who that is. But we are going to mention, it's almost like an honorable mentions to the other dominant fullback of this decade who unfortunately kind of eliminated himself, if we're being honest. The two fullbacks, that the two nominees, number one is Bruce Miller, drafted by the 49ers in 2011. He played from the team from 11 to 16. His career stats, uh, 76 receptions, 734 receiving yards, three uh, receiving touchdowns, 28 rushing attempts, 62 yards, one touchdown. Uh, Was a pretty damn good fullback, uh, but unfortunately had to be taken off. He was uh, released from the team due to some, some, I I don't know, does it fall under domestic violence? I mean, he kind of, I think it's like, Battery was it like assault and batteries? It was assault. Yeah, it was assault. It was assault. Yeah, yeah. He attacked those two guys at in Fisherman's Wharf. Yeah, because he was so he was so pissed drunk. They didn't know. He thought he was going to his room, and he went to their room, and like 
thought that they were like in his room, like stealing his room or something. And then he fought them both. And like one of the guys was a 70 year old man with like a freaking cane and like took the cane and was like beating these guys. Cause you know, Bruce Miller is six two, two hundred fifty pounds. He's a linebacker. You know, his measurements are exactly that of a linebacker. He's actually a little bit bigger than Kyle Juszczyk, but yeah, that, uh, he got charged with, um, seven felonies for that. God, what a bummer. So could you imagine though? Could you also imagine being a, a 70 year old senior citizen and a 250 pound professional football player breaks into your hotel and beats you with a cane? Yeah. In a, in a drunken stupor. He wasn't even at his best. <laughs> and there was video of it. Oh, was there really? Yeah. There's some video of that. Then that, but then the, the, our lock and the player who's going to get this position, obviously very easily Kyle Juszczyk drafted by Baltimore in 2013. He's been with the 49ers since 2017. A very curious pick that at the time people were kind of scratching their heads trying to figure out why the 49ers would make Kyle Juszczyk the highest paid fullback in the league when that's a position dying. And over the last three years, the Swiss Army knife that Kyle Juszczyk is, you've really seen it in the Kyle Shanahan system. He's been to the Pro Bowl every year. He has been with the 49ers, and he is without a doubt our lock for the fullback position for the 49ers. But, Raymond, let's just talk about this for a second. Let's talk about the uh, Bruce Miller and Kyle Juszczyk. Why did we, aside from, because of the 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 issues, the legal issues Bruce Miller had, we decided to eliminate him from the competition and give the award to Kyle Juszczyk. But you still have him on here, and we still, you felt that his career was still important enough to even discuss so let's talk about this Raymond why did Bruce Miller make this list and what was it about his career that stood out for you well he was very he was pretty much the Kyle Juszczyk before Kyle Juszczyk he was primarily the fullback and was the primary blocker for Frank Gore and helped Frank Gore get a lot of success and he did do a little bit of receiving and a tiny bit of rushing but he was definitely more of a fullback, and I think as things evolved, he was also playing tight end. Jim Harbaugh was just kind of being creative with Greg Roman and just trying to find multiple ways to 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 utilize Bruce Miller because his measurements are terrific. Like I said, he's a he's equivalent to that of a linebacker, and he was very athletic and he was very strong and he had good hands and good athleticism and so why not put him in other positions in your offense and see if he can you know produce other um you know other positive plays you know when when the ball's in his hands albeit receiving or rushing but in, in the Niners case it was more receiving so he played a little bit of tight end too he lined up as tight end at times as well so I think uh that to me stood out and there's there's footage out there of Bruce Miller, when he was with the Niners, he did some fantastic things within the offense. Not only did is he was he a fantastic blocker, and arguably could have made a Pro Bowl or two during his time, because he was there for all three of those NFC Championship runs, and he was uh, he was terrific in that, especially in 2013, because that's when he got that was the most involved in the passing game that he had ever been uh, in his career. Outside of that, it was really kind of a fraction of what Kyle Juszczyk does in the Kyle Shanahan system. Kyle Shanahan just, I feel like, uses Kyle Juszczyk a little bit more, uses him more than, than Harbaugh's system did. Although, 
I, I at times I do think that Kyle Juszczyk's usage within the offense, as far as like receiving goes, is sometimes a little a little underutilized. Just because I've seen what he does when he has the ball and he's in space. Kyle Juszczyk is really strong. I mean, go back to the Pittsburgh game, probably my favorite one, where Pittsburgh had made a trade for Minka Fitzpatrick who had an outstanding game that day after coming to that team and causing a fumble, got an interception, but then Kyle Juszczyk caught a deep ball and hip-tossed the living shit out of Minka Fitzpatrick with one arm, literally his forearm. He caught Minka Fitzpatrick in stride and just hip-tossed him, like uh, pulled him from one basically flipped him from a 180 from like his right hip side all the way to his left hip side. Hip tossed him like a pro wrestler. Just amazing, amazing strength that Kyle Juszczyk has. But yeah, Bruce Miller was doing similar things to the Niners before Kyle Juszczyk got there. And so to me, that was that was really what stood out. And I was like, and plus he was, you know, the other caveat too, and this is less important, he was the only fullback that we had before Kyle Juszczyk within the decade. So in 2010, I'm not sure, uh, Delaney Walker uh, played fullback in 2010. But that was, uh, you know, that was inconsistent usage. That was with uh, when he was with uh, who the coach was, uh, Mike Singletary. You know that that hip toss. We talked about that last week on um, the gold dive of the the Forty Nine ers season celebration. Uh, that was the one of the ultimate sit down little boy moments of the NFL last year. You know those moments when one player just manhandles another. That's the phrase me and Louie yell to each other all the time. Sit down, little boy. Anytime, anytime the Niners do something to the Rams. Oh, the Rams are something to the Niners. Louie and I will text it to each other. We'll yell it to each other. We'll audio text it to each other. And that moment when he did that hip toss, it was so crazy. Let me ask you a question, Raymond. Let's say Bruce Miller's career goes uninterrupted, and after 2016, he gets traded to someone else. And so we have these exact same stats against Kyle Juszczyk, but no legal issues. Does Bruce Miller take this award away from Kyle Juszczyk for you? I'd have to say no. Kyle Juszczyk does way more in this offense. I mean, the receiving numbers are more than double for starters. Outside of 2013, when he caught 25 balls for 243 yards, uh, Kyle Juszczyk's numbers have, uh, you know, they're more than double this almost every season, with the exception of 2014 and 2013. 2013 he was a rookie he played in 16 games but didn't start any and then the next season with Baltimore he started 14 out of 16 games and had a and had a Bruce Miller-esque season he was targeted 27 times he caught 19 balls for 182 yards that's pretty much what Bruce Willard Bruce Miller did in 2014 the same season with the Niners he caught 18 balls for 189 yards but then the next year Kyle Juszczyk caught 41 balls out of 56 targets for 321 yards. So almost double of that. Actually, yeah, that is that is double, yeah. Or almost double. But um but then, you know, 2016, he went to the Pro Bowl. He's just been he's just he he was on an upward trend the whole time in Baltimore and then has hit this new apex with the Niners cuz he's really thrived in the Kyle Shanahan system. Whatever they saw in Baltimore, they said, you know what? Pay the man and pay him well because it will pay dividends to this team. And sure enough, it has. It really, really has. It really has. 100%. 
Kyle Yusek's been amazing. You can't. There's no denying three straight Pro Bowls. No. You know, after paying him all that money, it's like who's complaining about that now? Nobody. Nobody. The best. The best possible results. We, we've gotten the best possible results out of Kyle Yusek. Absolutely, and in fact, most people, you know, most analysts have heavily praised the signing of Kyle Juszczyk and the foresight of the 49ers to understanding what they had and understanding their particular brand of football so well. All right, I like it. I am in agreement. We are in agreement. Kyle Juszczyk, he is the fullback for the 49ers on the 2010s All-Decade Team. Congratulations. Here we go, Raymond. Let's move on to tight end. We'll be taking two tight ends. Oh, boy. This is uh, pretty obvious, and then there's going to be some conversation uh, at the second one. All right, in... Our nominees are, number one, Delaney Walker, drafted by the San Francisco 49ers in 2006. He played with the team from 2006 to 2012. Highlights, he was a three-time Pro Bowler this decade, unfortunately, with the Titans, not the 49ers. That's important. Career stats, receptions, 504 yards, receiving yards, 5,888, 36 receiving touchdowns, 89 rushing yards, one rushing touchdown, 528 yards. uh, return yards. Vernon Davis, Mr. Vernon Davis, our boy, drafted by the 49ers in 2006. He was there from 2006 to 2015. Two-time uh, Pro Bowler with the 49ers. He was the, which I think this means a lot, he was the recipient of the catch three. Uh, the two times he made it to the Pro Bowls was with the 49ers in 09 and 15. Mr. Vernon Davis. And then I think I can say this right now without question. Our lock for one of the tight ends, the people's tight end, George Kittle, drafted by San Francisco in 2017. He's been a two-time Pro Bowler, 18 and 19, first-team All-Pro, second-team All-Pro, player of the year, NFL record, the most receiving yards in a single season by a tight end. His career stats are 216 receptions, 2,945 yards, 12 touchdowns, the people's tight end. I think we can agree, Raymond, that he is 100% a lock. Yeah, absolutely. No question about it. The what what he's already surpassed Vernon Davis Vernon Davis's productivity outside of touchdowns. He's surpassed him in every measurement. Not only is he ter- I mean Vernon Davis was a terrific blocker too, but George Kittle you know broke out in his second season whereas Vernon Davis although to be fair in Vernon Davis's defense, I feel like he was always underutilized because he got drafted during an era when we just didn't have competent coaches, yes. coaching staffs to really take advantage of his skill set. Because Vernon Davis was a freak athlete and just had a really, really unique build that could have thrived like you wouldn't believe in a Kyle Shanahan system. Vernon Davis would be would be the George Kittle if if he got drafted in this era versus the era he did get drafted in. Yeah, let's talk about that. See that Vernon Vernon Davis to me, I agree. He was underutilized. He was from a prior regime, but had brilliant moments. And I agree. Could you imagine Vernon Davis opposite George Kittle in this system? Oh, my goodness. Because he, and you're right, was very selfless, would go out there and block, would do the dirty work as long, and also, and also, you know, hard to tackle, excellent runner, 
excellent, great hands, and just a really, really skilled tight end that I feel we never really got to see the full potential of him. Uh, let's move on, Raymond, to Delaney Walker. Delaney Walker makes this list. Basically was with got drafted with Vernon Davis in the same year, left a couple years earlier. Why does Delaney Walker make this list? What happened between 10 and 12 that you felt deserved to put him on the list with the rest of these tight ends? Speed, versatility. I mean, he did drop a lot of balls too, but when he caught the ball, he was great in space. And again, another athletic freak in terms of the tight end position and he even played fullback in 2010 like i mentioned but you know he uh he unfortunately got overshadowed because vernon davis was getting the lion's share of attention as far as the passing game was concerned throughout his time playing alongside vernon davis between 10 and 12 but then became the feature tight end receiver in tennessee and you know that's when he really kind of made all his money literally between 2015 and 2017, which unfortunately we didn't, we couldn't do. So I think because we didn't have enough room or, or creativity to fit him into the scheme, the, you know, this is Greg Roman. We're talking about who I don't think is all that fantastic of an offensive coordinator, especially in Although, this era. Yeah. I mean, he, he did do well with, uh, with Baltimore. Yeah, he did. He did well with Baltimore, you know, and, and just because I think he's learned and I think probably John Harbaugh is easier to work with than Jim Harbaugh. And so probably has some more creative freedom and, and more, there's probably more creative collaboration. Well, I think that Kaepernick really prepared him for Lamar Jackson. Right? Yeah, that that's a good point too. And I think he learned a lot from the Colin Kaepernick experience and was really able to take that to the next level and make an MVP out of that, out of a quarterback with that same skill set. So, you know, kudos to them. But, you know, you're going to have to go to the Raven cast if you want to hear more about, you know, the, the exploits <laughs> of uh, Greg Roman. But, the purple and black. <laughs> yeah, the purple and black. Uh, ho the Raven. And the, uh, <laughs> you know, but with San Francisco, I thought he was great. You know, uh, he, he still caught, he got a lot of targets anywhere between what was it? Uh, you got anywhere between 45, yeah, 35 and 45 targets a year. That's a lot. That's a good amount. That's almost as much as Kyle Juszczyk is getting now. And, but Vernon Davis is getting, you know, double that. So, uh, you know, it was, it's no, it's no surprise that, you know, he was, uh, he was getting overshadowed just because Vernon Davis, I think, was more consistent with the receptions, he didn't drop as many balls as Delaney Walker did. He he was more surefire receiver, even though their speed was pretty equal and their athleticism was pretty equal. Although I, I did think that Delaney Walker just had a little bit more slash in in his step than Vernon Davis did, who's more of a kind of a, a bruising runner. Although Vernon Davis could he, he could straight up leap over a player if he wanted to, which which he did a few times throughout his career. And so that was uh, that was pretty fun to watch. But yeah, I think in this one, even though Delaney Walker is a nominee for me, I think I would have to end up going with Vernon Davis just because of what we've already talked about. He even though his first Pro Bowl was in 2009, which is before, you know, the the qualification year for this this all decade team, you know, it's still he still could have made like two or three Pro Bowls, you know, had he been given the same attention as he was 
when he was with the Niners doing his Niner things. But uh, but yeah, and he I caught think, the catch uh, three. He and he caught the catch, the, caught catch three. You know, you if you make 49ers history like that, then you got to be doing something right on a I consistent mean, basis. For him, to, for him to come back after the way Mike Singletary bashed him so hard, and for Davis to come back and to really prove himself and to make that catch on the one yard line, everything on the line in what is considered easily one of the greatest playoff games of the last ten years, arguably the best played playoff game of the last 10 years uh, 49ers and Saints the catch three I just think there's no doubt that that play alone and the consistency that he did provide when called upon earns him the spot of the second tight end position on our all-decade team we are in agreement yep so congratulations George Kittle and Vernon Davis all right moving on Ooh. It's only getting juicier. Moving on to our running backs. We'll be taking two running backs. And here we go. Let's start with the nominees, Raymond, of which there are many. Number one. Oh, man. The inconvenient truth. Mr. Frank Gore, drafted by the 49ers in 2005, played with the 49ers from 2005 to 2014, has been playing football for 100 straight years. His career highlights include... <laughs> 100 straight years. <laughs> Almost seems like it. It feels like it. It really does. Uh, okay, think about this. He was drafted two years before Joe Staley. Before Joe Staley. In a, in a in a in a much more uh, in a much tougher position, and he still bangs out thousand thousand yard seasons. And Joe Staley's got like one more year left in him. Frank Gore, I think Frank Gore is uh, he's so if you were five years old, the day Frank Gore got drafted, you are now a twenty year old person. You can buy alcohol. You were in kindergarten the day he started football. And by the time he retires, you'll be you have you'll have gone to uh, elementary school, junior high, high school, started college, and and learned to drive, vote, and buy alcohol. <laughs> All in the time Frank Gorson playing football. <laughs> His career highlights include five-time Pro Bowler from 2011 to 2013. He is on the NFL 2010's All-Decade Team. He has the third most rushing yards in NFL history. His career NFL stats, 15,347 yards. Uh, Yards per catch, he averages 4.3. Rushing touchdowns, 79. Receptions, 468. Reception yards, uh, 3,896 yards. uh, Receiving touchdowns, 18. Just a beast. Carlos Hyde coming up in right behind him here. Drafted by San Francisco in 2014. His career stats, 4,370 yards. Averages 4.1 yards per uh, per rush. Rushing touchdowns, 32. Receiving yards, 129. Receiving receptions, 129. Receiving yards, 709. Receiving touchdowns, 3. Coming in behind Carlos Hyde, Mr. Matt Breida. Undrafted by the by anybody in 2007, the 40 he joined the 49ers squad in 2017. His career stats: rushing yards 1,902, rushing average five, five yards a carry, receptions 67, receiving yards 561, return yards 83, touchdowns 10. Coming in after Matt Breida is Mr. Raheem Mostert. He was undrafted in 2015. He has played for everybody. 
in a very short amount of time, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Miami Dolphins, the Baltimore Ravens, the Cleveland Browns, the New York Jets, the Chicago Bears, and then finally joining San Francisco in 2016. Let's talk about, I want to focus on his stats with this year in 20 is the past season for the 49ers. He had 137 rushing attempts, uh, total yards, 772, averaging 5.6 a carry, eight touchdowns, 14 receptions, 180 yards, 12.9, his average is 12.9, and he had two touchdowns. That's just this year alone. Raymond, let's start for the running backs. Who are your locks? I think we're both in agreement that Frank Gore 100% is the first lock. Absolutely. He went to the Pro Bowl in all three consecutive seasons that we went to the NFC Championship game with the Jim Harbaugh staff and roster so and of course his his entire resume of course speaks volumes but within the scope of the 10 years that we're looking at he did amazing things in the Harbaugh regime and that certainly is not going to go unnoticed in fact he was kind of had a little bit of a downturn between I mean 2009 he was still a pro bowler and then we got Mike Singletary as a new coach when Mike Nolan got fired and then for whatever reason kind of had of a well i think he missed he missed a few games with due to injury and only amassed 853 yards but then came back with a vengeance with back-to-back 1200 yard seasons in the jim harbaugh era including eight touchdowns apiece in both of those seasons and even topped it a little bit the next year with nine touchdowns but only got 1128 yards so you know Oh, no, you know, only 70 yards mm-hmm. shy of what he did the previous season. But he only missed one game in that three-year stretch. Or, or I'm sorry, he didn't start in one of those games in that three-year stretch. He was healthy in all three of those seasons, played in all 16 games. In fact, he's played in all 16 games for most of his career, with the exception of maybe six seasons. Six seasons? Six out of the freaking what 15 years he's played wow and he's still playing so i mean ridiculous so yeah absolute lock you know the question is out of the productive backs that are left between carlos hyde matt Breida, and raheem mosert who gets that second position see this is really tough um basically all these players have averaged about three years on the team you have carlos hyde that really did look like the second coming of Frank Gore. And after, once he got hurt, he really struggled to kind of repeat the potential that we saw in him and really doesn't fit the Shanahan system. And that made, you know, he's kind of a more traditional, uh, has a more traditional running back style. You know, he's kind of a yeah, he's straight ground and pound. Back. Yeah. Power back. You know, uh, Shanahan likes finesse. He likes, he likes, Running backs that double as receivers that can play multiple positions, um, you know, in the offense, and that's really not Carlos Hyde's style. Then you have Matt Breida and Raheem Mostert. Raheem Mostert really comes on to really comes on in this final, this this last year of the decade. Breida, Breida, really good, and all three of these guys have shown that they're not quite capable of carrying 
the the workhorse load that Frank Gore carries, which is okay because we have Frank Gore, right? So Frank Gore is our workhorse. Now here's our running back by committee, RB, and it's a question of who takes it. Are we just going to look at this one great year by Roheem Mostert? But Brita has had lots of excellent pockets of, of brilliance. You know, are we going to look at the three-year run by Carlos Hyde? Which one of these guys do you think eliminates himself? Just based on everything we've talked about, like who is the guy? For like, okay, if I'm gonna if we're gonna knock one guy off this board between Hyde, Brita, and Mostert, who do you knock off the board? In terms of performance and versatility, I think Carlos Hyde probably knocks himself out of this list. I mean, but again, I'm biased because I'm thinking about what he did in the Kyle Shanahan system. I'm thinking about you know there was there's been health issues throughout his career. Matt Breida has also had health issues. Raheem Mostert has also had a, a little bit of health issues too. So now I'm kind of with you on Carlos Hyde. I think that we already have one power back. We have our power back is Frank Gore. You know, you know, all, clearly a Hall of Famer, one of the greatest running backs of all time. Uh, so I I think we now are looking at one of our backups, backup finesse running backs, and now it comes down to Breida and Mostert. I feel like Mostert's probably a little more versatile. The problem is, is that we haven't seen a lot out of him except for this year. So this really comes down to, uh, it's kind of like that Nick Bosa moment. Are we going to go with a player who's had one really dominant year? Are we going to go with a guy that maybe he's had a little bit more? If we were going on this one year, I, I want to give it to Raheem Mostert. Uh, but I understand Brita, they've both been on the team about the same amount of time. But Brita's also had a lot of flashes of brilliance. He's been consistently a consistent backup this whole time. You know, um, Mostert, but I love what Mostert did this year. What Mostert did this year, I mean, if this is something he can repeat going into future seasons, uh, I, I don't, he is easily a, a lock at this position. What do you feel, Raymond? Where do you sit between Brita and Mostert? I'm leaning towards Mostert, but I want to hear where you're leaning towards. I'm also leaning towards Mostert. I mean, when when you when you have when you put up, you know, historic numbers in a playoff game, that's pretty big in my book, especially if you happen to be a 49er. So to me, that's kind of where I'm leaning. I think Matt Breida, he's got some health issues, some and some some fumble issues. But Matt Breida is equally as versatile. I just think I just think Raheem Mostert's got just a smidge better running vision, and you know his productivity really kind of outshone Matt Breida this past season when they were sharing a pretty pretty even load. You know you have 123 rushing attempts by Matt Breida versus 137 by Mostert, and 772 yards compared to 623 one touchdown compared to eight. I just think Raheem Mostert knows how to find the end zone. And that's, that's a big one. So uh, I, I, I got to give this one to M- Mostert. If, if, uh, you know, gun to the head, Mostert and Gore are the two backs here. We are in agreement. Congratulations, Frank Gore and Raheem Mostert. You make our all decade team. All right, Raymond, here we go. Wide receiver. And uh, it's not exactly a murderer's row. <laughs> I'm just <gonna> say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have struggled. Uh, man, Trent Baalke, 
for the life of him. He just could not seem to nail down this position. No, not at all. So let's start here. Michael Crabtree, drafted by San Francisco in 2009. He was with the team from 09 to 14. His career stats, 633 receptions, 7,477 receiving yards, 54 touchdowns, uh, including he uh, two against the Patriots in that 2012 game, but of course also that big overthrown pass in the Super Bowl that I've only seen once live and have turned my eyes away almost every time I've seen it in an ESPN replay, which is, you know, several times a year for the last eight years. Our second nominee, Ted Ginn Jr., drafted Miami by Miami in 2007. He was with the 49ers from 2010 to 2012. His career stats include 409 receptions, 5,702 receiving yards, 33 receiving touchdowns, 485 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, 9,499 return yards, and a total of seven return TDs. That's pretty good. Number three, Mr. Anquan Bolden, drafted by Arizona in 2003. He's with the 49ers from 2013 to 2015. God, love me some Anquan Bolden. He uh, 49er highlights, he was the Walter Payton Man of the Year. His career stats, receptions 1,076, receiving yards 13,779, 82 receiving touchdowns. And then rounding out this final group, Marquise Goodwin, drafted by Buffalo in 2013. He was with the 49ers from 2017, and he's currently still on the roster. Career stats include 140, 140 receptions, 2,323 receiving yards, 468 return yards, 89 rushing yards, 13 touchdowns. Raymond, is there a lock anywhere on this wide receiver list? I'll tell you who my lock is, and then I want to hear who your lock is. To me, the only the only lock is Anquan Bolden because he was so consistent, and he was consistent with Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick, and so that, to me is that's more indicative of Anquan Bolden's reliability than anything else. So I think that for sure Anquan Bolden is, is in there, and then everyone else is kind of a toss-up. Yeah, I wish if, if Debo Samuels had a little bit crazier of stats, I, I, I would actually want to throw Debo Samuel in uh, as the second wide receiver. I mean, Debo had a great rookie campaign. Yeah, he did. 2019. Yeah, it's only one year, you know, so it's, it's different. Yeah, it's not, you know, it, it, Nick Bosa's in a kind of a different category. He didn't just have a great year. He had an all-time rookie year. Uh, let's. So, Anquan Bolden, we're in agreement. I'll tell you, between these three, Ted Ginn, I don't know. Ted Ginn... I don't think was ever that great. Again, it's we, it's slim pickings. I, I, I completely understand. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders practically <laughs> earned himself a spot with only eight games played. Uh, I, I think Ted Ginn is probably the second person I would eliminate from this. You know, always had an issue with drop balls, was never, never the greatest. And he wanted, and he wanted more. The funny thing was he wanted more receiving opportunities, but every time he got them, he would muff the ball. Sometimes there wouldn't even be a defender near him, and he would just butterfingers. You want to hear a crazy stat? Here's a crazy stat about Ted Ginn Jr. Do you know how many uh, – you know what his drop rate was the year that he went to the Super Bowl of Carolina? No. 
Really? He's dropped 60% of his passes that year. Uh-huh. That's one of the reasons I knew they were going to lose. I was like, when, you're, when your wide receiver one is Ted Ginn Jr. and he dropped 60% of his passes, I don't see that as a recipe for succeeding against the best defense in the league. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I knew Denver was going was gonna to win. Yeah, so we are both in agreement. Ted Ginn's out. So looking at the last two, we have Marquise Goodwin and Michael Crabtree. Uh, Marquise Goodwin is streaky, uh, but, but when, when focused, is a very good, very fast and competent wide receiver. Michael Crabtree, also very good when focused, kind of diva-ish. I really... I'm really not the biggest fan of Michael Crabtree as a as a player when it comes to just the intangibles. Just kind of always seemed all about himself and, uh, you know, kind of left the Niners under duress. It was not exactly the happiest breakup. I'm just not the biggest fan of Michael Crabtree. To be honest, of the two, I think Michael Crabtree is probably the better wide receiver. I'm just not a fan of Michael Crabtree. Where do you stand between Goodwin and Crabtree? Goodwin's a better man. Crabtree's a better player. Yep, that's that's it in a nutshell. So where do you where do you land, Raymond? You, we have to take one of these men with us, unfortunately, onto the 2010 All Decade team. Who joins them? Not unfortunately, I I like Marquise Goodwin. I'm just not the biggest fan of Michael Crabtree. Love Anquan Bolden, 100%. Boom, first spot. He's a lock. So of these two guys, do you take the better man or do you take the better player? For me, I mean, taking, you know, the moral aspect out of out of the equation, I think Michael Crabtree's the more surefire receiver between Ted Ginn Jr. and Marquise Goodwin. Both of those players have butterfingers, one worse than the other. Michael Crabtree has terrific hands. He's got amazing hands. The only thing he lacks is, you know, speed. That was his one big issue. I mean, speed and attitude. You know, thinking he's the Deion Sanders of wide receivers when he wasn't even close to that uh, in his career. So, I mean, not even one Pro Bowl trip in, throughout his entire career, and including the ACL inju- injury, one eight one ACL injury. I believe that was twenty what twenty thirteen. I think was when that happened. But uh, I could be wrong. But who cares? You gotta go to the Michael Crabtree podcast if you want to hear the history of his. <laughs> the NFL crab career. pod, the crab yeah. pod, Michael Crab Pod. Uh, yeah, I, let's go the with pod that. Tree. The pod tree. Yeah, that, I think that's the best route is to go Anquan Bolden and Michael Crabtree. Yeah, I mean Bolden, you know, you're gonna get some reliability there for sure, and Crabtree, you just got to deal with some some diva issues. But other than that, you know, you're gonna get a surefire receiver, and you know. It, Theoretically, I think he would do well in a Kyle Shanahan system. He's a good route runner, and he's got terrific hands. It's, those are two things that Kyle Shanahan really loves. You know, not not every receiver on this roster is, you know, blazing Jerry Rice esque speed. Uh, case in point, Kendrick Bourne. Kendrick Bourne has probably the worst speed out of that entire group, but he continues to get opportunities because he shows that he's good has good hands for the most part and he makes the most out of every catch. I th- I think the the best of both worlds has, has been Devo Samuel by far though. So we'll, we'll have to see if the other, if the other uh, draftees can make some strides. You know, I got money on Jalen Hurd. Uh, definitely. I, 
I wish Debo had one more season because he would have been a lock to be right next to Anquan. That was an Boulder. easy one, yeah, for sure. I mean, in a in a world where you know we our, our rules for these nominees are different, I think I would take Debo Samuel over uh, Crabtree easily. Easily, but yeah, not quite enough there. Not quite the Nick Bosa level that we wanted to put him on this list. All right, Raymond, here it is. The final position. I think the toughest position genuinely to pick. I don't mean that uh, sarcastically. Quarterback, we will be taking one for this position. Here are the nominees for quarterback for the all-decade team for the San Francisco 49ers. Number one, Alex Smith. Drafted by San Francisco in 2005, the first pick of the draft. Infamously drafted, as some have said, although I think we were going to be messed up no matter what. The San Francisco 49ers, he was with the Niners from 2005 to 2012. He made the Pro Bowl three times, but never as a 49er. His career stats, touchdowns and interceptions, 193 to 101. 34,068 passing yards, 2,601 rushing yards, 15 touchdowns. One of his most memorable moments, which I thought was important to include here, of course, his most memorable moment, the catch three. Number two, Colin Kaepernick, drafted by San Francisco in 2011. He played his entire career with the 49ers from 2011 to 2016. His highlights uh, include an NF- the NFL record for most rushing yards in a QB in a single game. That was the divisional round against the Packers, January 12, 2013. And then the NFL record for most rushing yards by a quarterback in a single season. His career stats. Touchdowns to interceptions, 72 to 30. Passing, 12,271 yards. Rushing, 2,300. Rushing touchdowns, 13. Memorable, most memorable games, moments, destroying the Packers every time they met. Defeating the New England Patriots. Taking the Niners to their first Super Bowl since 1995. Jump-starting the rivalry between San Francisco and and Seattle. Jimmy Garoppolo, drafted by New England in 2014, infamously traded to San Francisco. He has been with the San Francisco 49ers now uh, for three years. He is our current starter. He has had three Super Bowl appearances, two wins as a backup. His career stats include his touchdowns and interceptions, 44 to 21, almost 50%. Passing 6,946 yards, Passer rating 100. His memorable moments, defeating the Packers and Saints during the gauntlet run. Taking the 49ers to their second Super Bowl appearance of this decade. Raymond, I want you to talk to the people. This is a tough one. We have all three quarterbacks are partially responsible for losing us two Super Bowls. Uh, Smith and Kaepernick are you know, inextricably linked without question. Jimmy Garoppolo has basically had one full season as a starter. Where do you stand with all three of these quarterbacks? You know, whatever you're thinking, let me know. What are you, where do you think? And let's go down the list from Smith to cap to Garoppolo. Well, they've all got different skill sets. Alex Smith is kind of a hybrid between Colin Kaepernick and Jimmy Garoppolo, meaning he's got some running skills, but he also has passing skills. Colin Kaepernick has more passing skill, or excuse me, more running skills than he does passing skills. And Jimmy is the opposite, where Jimmy is all pass, very little run, unless he really, really, really has to. And the few times he did do it, it was not bad. 
He just doesn't have, you know, crazy gazelle breakaway speed like Colin Kaepernick does, who obviously is the best runner out of this group. So to me, what when I think about this final position, it's going to come down to skill set, you know, as it pertains to the position and which one of these quarterbacks has the best, you know, position skill set to fulfill the job with the rest of this crazy roster. Yeah, so... Let me go down the list. Let's start with some of the positives for me. Alex Smith, yes, you said a hybrid of the two, probably has so far shown himself to be the most clutch, the least rattled of the three. Jimmy Garoppolo is still pretty young, so I, you know, I definitely think that some of the rattled issues he had this year will pass. So I'm not super worried about him. Colin Kaepernick, probably the easily most rattled, probably the less the least like the his overall what he his athleticism is what you cannot stop his his Colin Kaepernick's athleticism was jaw dropping and when this guy he his overall accuracy and his ability to go through his progressions obviously not the greatest but he was so dangerous on his feet and and when he when he was going when when everything worked out on the play just correctly he was a monster with the ball he had a killer arm a killer arm jimmy g jimmy g is probably our most traditional quarterback i'd say as far as overall skill set probably the closest thing we've had to joe montana um i think the ceiling for him is very high i'm not super worried about him you know though a lot of other people are I, I think he's fantastic and I think we're only seeing the beginning of what Jimmy Garoppolo is capable of um, the negatives I would put Alex Smith not the greatest arm uh, terrible on third down literally the opposite of Jimmy G uh, you you basically had two you had uh, you had to get it on the first or second down because if you got to third down, it was over. He had the worst third down conversion rate, one of the worst in the league, and that followed him to every team he's ever played for. Really struggled at that. Really struggled at getting over 300 yards passing. Definitely his arm was the weakest. Colin Kaepernick not really able to evolve beyond the initial his his initial skill set. Really, that was basically it, and really really struggled in taking the next leap to keep defenses on their toes. And once they kind of figured out where his flaws are, where his tricks were, they had him. Jimmy G, it's still very much a wait and see. Uh, You know, obviously holds on to the ball a little too long. And I still think needs to calm down. Third down conversion rate, fantastic. He can give you 300 yards, three to four touchdowns, no problem. It's just a matter of can he do it consistently? That's the question. So there we go, Raymond. That's how I feel about them. Where are you at? Is there anybody that you believe crosses themselves off the list? This is tough for me. The only way I would say they cross themselves off the list is if we know, you know, what the offensive scheme is and who the coaching staff is, but we're not going to get that crazy with this list. Cause that obviously, as we talked about earlier, it makes it just too crazy to, to determine. Then it changes. Then there's other players we could have picked that didn't even make the list that were, you know, completely flashes in the pan. But yeah, just as far as players concerned, I don't think any, any one of these three players crosses themselves off the list. I just think it becomes like, how do these three quarterbacks weigh on the scale you know, within, in terms of making the all decade team. And for me, it's one is more obvious than the other two. 
So who's the most obvious? I got to go with the one aspect of quarterback that matters most, and that's completion percentage. And Jimmy G smokes both these guys. If this is a passing league. I mean, Alex Alex has a greater a greater breadth of work, you know, because he's been playing for, you know, a long time, 13 years. So he and he's at 62 percent, which is still pretty good. That's where you want to be for the most part at the end of your career. You want to be in the somewhere in the 60 range. I mean, 70 is different. That's that's Drew Brees territory. And he alone stands there. But, you know, Colin Kaepernick was when he played full seasons, you know, was in the 50, you know, 55 between 55 and 60 range. You know, although he and he's he's hovering at fifty nine percent, you know, at the end of the day, and most and mostly a one read quarterback, which is another skill set that really, really, really hurts Colin. You know, the the most important aspect of the position, Colin Kaepernick is the worst at out of these three players, not overall, but out of these three players. Yeah, but overall, his athleticism. I mean, his ability to extend plays, his ability to gash defenses when when the offense was breaking down is undeniable. I feel like of the three, because he lost his job to cap and had about a year and three quarters of a good season with the Niners. I kind of want to eliminate Alex Smith first and then, then talk about cap and Jimmy G. What do you think? Mm, That's a hard pill to swallow. They're both, all of them are hard pills. Yeah. This is tough. And, and and to be honest, Alex didn't Alex lost his position by default because of injury, not because he sucked or was throwing picks or anything in the fact. He was 6 and 2 when in, in, uh, his record was 6 and 2 when he went down with an injury and then Colin came in and had that crazy Chicago game mm-hmm. which I think was a a Monday night game. And then the infamous hot hand press conference. Every all of us I remember you and I you and I said like whoa the offense looks way crazier with Colin Kaepernick back there slinging cuz he had a crazy arm, crazy legs and so the potentiality of him honing his skills even, you know, 3 quarters the way of Alex Smith, you know, really kind of left a lot of intrigue and and mysticism like wow this kid has a crazy ceiling if if he taps into it but he never really did um he went to a throwing mechanics once in the off season and just kind of was i just think stubbornness and ignorance hurt colin kaepernick in the end and you know not willing to kind of step outside the box and do the main things that all of the other big quarterbacks do. You gotta, you gotta follow suit. You know, you you gotta follow suit to a degree. You can still end up and throw your own wrinkles into your 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 kit, but at the end of the day, you've gotta the fundamentals have gotta be on par with the other big big boys if you want to stay at the big boy table. And Colin just never was able to do that. So. I mean, I guess I, for you, for you, do you cross Kaepernick off and then you're looking at Smith and Jimmy G? Is that what you're doing? I'm kind of leaning towards the opposite of that, where I, I eliminate Colin and keep Alex because Alex has the, the skill sets that you want out of a quarterback. Alex is better at it. But the problem is Alex is just too conservative with that skill set, even though he had a lot of success in Kansas City and played great. 
played really good. And Alex Smith, Alex Smith is going to end his career with with good stats, stats to be proud of. You know, he has a 94 and 66 record. He's thrown 193 touchdowns uh, to 101 picks. He is mostly he's been good most of his career. He's been uh, serviceable, serviceable in the early years when he was growing and developing and going through offensive coordinators year after year after year after year. But once the consistency got there, Alex was able to to settle in and start playing the way that he knew he could play. And we all hoped he would play. He didn't turn out to be an Aaron Rodgers, who was drafted the same year and wanted to be a 49er. You know, who knows what the team would have accomplished with him, especially throughout those first six or seven years when we were absolute trash. You know, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have had the career that he's had in Green Bay had he come to us during that same span. I think he would have struggled too. Okay, so let me ask you this question. Here's another question. Since we're, we're trying to stay focused to the years they were a Niner, let's ask the, the, the question of question, the conundrums of conundrums. Colin Kaepernick comes in during the Chicago game and then the following week goes back to the bench. Okay? Alex Smith takes back over. Do we get to the Super Bowl that year if Alex Smith stays as starter and Colin Kaepernick is on the bench? I think we still get to the Super Bowl. Alex proved it the previous year, outdueling Drew Brees in a division game and leading us to the NFC Championship game. Which they lost. Uh, literally, it wasn't his fault. Kyle Williams single-handedly lost that game with his two fumbles, not Alex Smith. Um, and, you know, and Alex, last time I checked, Alex Smith doesn't play defense. So he wasn't on the team, you know, trying to stop Eli Manning and company from driving down the field and, you know, taking, putting scoring, turning turnovers into scoring opportunities. But at the same time, Colin Kaepernick had some insane playoff games, particularly against Green Bay. They were nuts, man. I mean, like outside of the Super Bowl, which was a is a, was a team wide collapse in the first half of that game. Outside of the Super Bowl, that 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 half a season for Cap was bananas, and 2013 was bananas too. Pretty bananas. Yeah, those are two great years. Um, and I would say. He gave about as many, you know. I mean, I guess you you give you give Alex Smith had like, I, I he had two and a half good years. Colin Cap had two good years. Jimmy G's giving you one. Um, it's not exactly a murderer's row of, as far as like overall. This is this is really really tough. It is. I mean, and but I'm glad we're having this conversation. This is yeah. I mean, Alex. Even though Alex's record doesn't show it, Alex was good in the playoffs. Alex stepped up his game in the playoffs. Do we win the I mean, Super Bowl in, in if two- Alex Smith plays? If Alex Smith starts over Colin Kaepernick, do we win that Super Bowl? Yes, absolutely. Alex threw 14 touchdowns and only two picks in every playoff game that he's played combined. 14 and two. In fact, he was five and zero oh in 2011. Yeah. Kansas City. He was four and zero. Oh. Two years later. Yeah. And yeah. Colin Kaepernick, seven touchdowns, five picks in the postseason. Mm. But he was four and two. He, he played in six games. And, you know, one of those two losses, though, was the big one. I do agree that we win. I agree that if we, if we, if we started Alex Smith, I think we probably win that game. A uh, lot less nerves, really cool under pressure. So you have kind of convinced me of overall playing mechanics. Kaepernick is probably a much a lot closer to where quarterback where people want quarterbacks to go in this new era in the Lamar Jackson era. But uh, 
But Alex Smith and Jimmy G are probably more traditional, true pocket passers. So now let's let's now close the gap. So Colin Kaepernick, we will take out. Candlestick Will is going to have a lot of issues with that. <laughs> I can already hear Candlestick Will going, you took out Colin Kaepernick first? Um, I think that was a lock. That, that would have been Candlestick Will's lock would have been Colin Kaepernick for sure. Raymond, Alex Smith, and Jimmy G, where do you end up with these two guys? We've got two and a half years versus one. Jimmy G, we're kind of banking on the potential. This is another Nick Bosa moment. Alex Smith, we're looking at a career that never quite really lived up to what it could have been. So who who do we take onto the 2010s all-decade team, the final position and the hardest position? We've literally been talking about this for uh, 20 minutes now. That's that's how intense this final and how tough this final position. All I think it's important to, to, to note this for the Gold Cast Nation. All good quarterbacks. We think all these quarterbacks are great. The reason it's taken us so long is because we actually respect all three players that much. That's actually, it's a testament to how well they've all done. We don't cross off Kaepernick easily. We cross them off with extreme difficulty and uh, reservation. So, and we're going to cross off the final quarterback here with the same amount of reservation and hesitation. Raymond, who, let's talk about these guys. Talk, t- talk to me what's going on in your head. Smith versus Garoppolo. To me, this is easier. I think you go Jimmy G all the way for me. Quick release, goes through his progressions, traditional drop-back quarterback. This is a passing league, especially more so than ever these days. And that's what you want. And his completion percentage is, you know, between 65 and 70%. You want that. You want that for sure. So you feel that Jimmy G has done enough in his one year as a starter to prove that he is more more deserving of the quarterback position for the 2010s all-decade team over Alex Smith and Colin Kaepernick. Yep. Damn. Without question. He He's definitely better than Alex Smith. There's the no mechanics qu- are way better than Colin Kaepernick and Alex Smith. I mean, they are way better. I mean, it's not even pa- Passing mechanics. I mean, hey, if you want a running, running quarterback, Colin's your man. But... You know, last time I checked, quarterback's got a pass. And Colin Kaepernick kind of stunk at that. Yeah, and look at what Lamar Jackson has done two playoff uh, appearances in a row. Not a whole lot. Not a whole lot. Both, All three guys have lost us the big one. I mean, Smith didn't lose us the big one. He basically was on the bench, but he was part of the team. So, actually, he didn't lose the big one. I don't want to throw that juju on him. Cap and Garoppolo both lost us the big one. Um. But overall, between the two, Jimmy G is the better quarterback, even if he doesn't have maybe as many stats as a Niner. Um, The gauntlet versus the catch three. This is tough. And what is essentially your first season as a full-time starter? You go through the gauntlet and do what he did? Mm. And I know that the playoffs were more conservative because our running game was so insane that we didn't need our passing game. But... uh, I think Jimmy's going to bounce back. He's going to have an even better season, barring injury, of course. Yeah. That, that goes for any player. Hmm. That's me. That's my vote. It's tough. I, I, I think you've made an extremely compelling argument. I think the hard part for me is that we've got one year. Um, Smith was there three, took us to two 
Well, it took us to one NFC Championship, and then I guess you're right. He only the 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 next season was a season and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. He took Jimmy G took us to a Super Bowl in the one year he's been a full starter. Alex Smith never took us to a Super Bowl, and uh, his stats for that year and a half, while good, do not beat Jimmy G's one year stats. His, I mean, they almost, actually, to be honest, they almost played the same amount, right? Uh, uh, Jimmy G played five games and then a full season. Alex in this regime played uh, one full season and eight games, almost the same. Yeah, almost the same. And if you were to, if you're, if you're, to, I mean, I didn't even really think about that. If you look at the season and a half that Alex Smith played versus the season and a half ish Jimmy G played, Jimmy G is a much better quarterback. Oh. This is tough. He right? was. I mean, if we were just talking postseason only, I think Collins has been the best quarterback in the playoffs. Totally. I mean, even though Jimmy got to the postseason, you know, Jimmy didn't do a whole lot in the postseason because he didn't have to, you know, because the defense was better than the Harbaugh defense and the running game was better than those offenses that Colin ran back then. State of the art running games. Yeah. State, state but, of the art. But Colin, Colin was able to, yeah. And, and to be honest, they, the running attack of the quarterback is what won those games for the most part. Yeah, not necessarily. In play. Yeah, mm. not necessarily a traditional. Yeah. Ooh, this is tough. This is tough. All right, I'm going to 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 defer to you and we're going to go with Jimmy G. But that was a that was tough. I think you could make a case for any of the three quarterbacks. I was actually leaning towards Cap at the beginning as probably taking the spot. But if we're just going, you know, by the arguments we've presented, you know, basic mechanics, yada, 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 everything we discussed for the last 25 minutes, I mean, it's undeniable. And, yeah, Jimmy G and Alex Smith have almost played the same amount of games, and there's no question in terms of that level. Uh, what Colin Kaepernick did as a rusher is incredible, but as a classic true quarterback at the position probably struggled the most did not even probably did struggle the most at just being a pure passer which is what the position calls for um despite his incredible legs and so on the merits of technical prowess uh in his overall ability at the position jimmy g is the best quarterback you're you're right i'm basically breaking all this down in real time to myself but uh i think that's i think that works so you feel good about that? Jimmy Garoppolo? We're going with him? Oh, yeah. All right. Jimmy G, congratulations. You have made the 49ers all-decade team. So going through the list one more time, Raymond. Here's everybody that made the list, starting with our punter. Our punter going to this team is Andy Lee. Our kicker, Robbie Gold. Our defensive line, Justin Smith. DeForest Buckner. Eric Armstead. Nick Bosa, jeez, probably the best part there. At linebacker, Patrick Willis, Navarro Bowman, Alden Smith. Wow. At cornerback, Richard Sherman, Carlos Rogers. At safety, Dante Whitner, Deshaun Goldson. Our offensive line, Joe Staley, Mike Upati, Jonathan Goodwin, Alex Boone, Mike McGlinchey. At fullback, Kyle Juszczyk. At tight end, George Kittle, Vernon Davis. At running back, Frank Gore, Raheem Mostert. At wide receiver, Anquan Bolden, Michael Crabtree. And at quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
Bam, you got five Kyle, five Kyle Shanahan, or what? Yeah, five Kyle Shanahan regime picks there. Yeah, uh, what a what a murderer's row though. When you lay that list out, that is one badass team. That's one hard hard team. That's one nasty nasty team that wins a Super Bowl. That exact lineup could win a Super Bowl in their sleep. Raymond, any final thoughts on this team? I would love to see what they could do in some crazy simulation. Like a Madden simulation of all these guys? Yeah. I would totally put these guys in a Madden simulation. Put all these guys and just see what what uh, what this 49ers team looks like. Pretty, pretty incredible stuff. I'm really glad we did this. It was tough. Uh, this is not the the definitive list. This is simply our list. And as you guys could see in Goldcast Nation, even Raymond and I could not fully agree on our list. So let us know who who do you have. Let's talk about the final most controversial conversation at quarterback. Who do you believe? Oh, I, know, I know some people are definitely going to have Colin Kaepernick on their list. And you wouldn't be wrong. You wouldn't be him. No, not at all. Not at all. I just think he's the worst passer out of the three quarterbacks that were left. And when I think of quarterback, I think of passing, not running. And I think that's a very fair argument. Jimmy Garoppolo, Alex Smith, Colin Kaepernick, do do you guys, who makes that final list at quarterback for the all-decades team? Uh, Ray, I'm really glad we did this. This was badass. Yeah, this was fun. Super fun. Absolutely. We'll have to see what a a Niners all-decade team looks between 1980 and 1990. Yes, we will be doing those. And, of course, you guys know that if we're going old school, Candlestick Will will be in the building. So Candlestick Will is coming back uh, to do all decades teams for our previous eras. And now later on in the week on Wednesday night, Raymond and I will be recording the second part to our gold dive, the 49ers celebration season of 2019. We will be doing weeks 9 through 17. And then after that, we'll be doing the playoffs in in the third episode. And then we'll be giving out our awards in that same episode for the Gold Dive Awards. So really good stuff, Raymond. Excellent job. And uh, any final thoughts? Go Niners. Hell yeah. Go Niners. So concludes another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Salisa III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Salisa first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same Gold Cast time. Same gold cast channel. This is, is the gold cast.